0: He's given to the church. I love that. Fifty years ago, when I got saved in a church like this, that, that really drew me. I knew something was different about the church. I said, I need to find out what that is. Well, it wasn't long. Probably six months later, I was prophesying. I was interpreting tongues. I was doing that because... God filled me. That's what the church is all about. We're a New Testament church. And we've got to act like it. We need to be filled with God's Holy Spirit and being led by God's Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's the only kind of church I want to belong to. And I believe all three of our churches are like that. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I was preaching at our Covington campus last Sunday, where I'm gonna be stationed after this month. I have three messages to preach here. Actually, it's gonna be my last three messages that I will preach as a senior pastor over a church. I will be moving in, I guess, an apostolic role where I'll be overseeing all the churches and we have a lot that's going on in this ministry that is going to take somebody uh, full-time to oversee the things that's going on and uh, so I'm going to take my place uh, as an overseer of this ministry which I've been now for 31 years uh, but I'm gonna be back here preaching you're not going. To, at the end of this month you will see me from time to time Hopefully once a month I will be here, and as the other churches need me to preach, I'll be there too. So uh, I got a message today. I was looking at the three messages that I have to bring to you uh, before uh, I leave as your pastor. Uh, I have one today. I have a Father's Day message next week. And then I'll have the last message at the end of this month. I believe all three of these messages are what I believe we need at the present. So today's message I entitled, The Violent Kingdom. You know, Christianity is not for the faint-hearted, Not for the weak-willed. It's not for the, the weaklings. It's not for the sissies. See, as you live this Christian life, and if you live it long enough, you're going to see people come, and you're going to see people go. I've seen it for 50 years now. Everybody don't make it. Everybody don't hold out. Everybody don't endure to the end, as Jesus said. Unless you endure to the end, you're not going to be saved. So, uh, it takes determination Uh, as a believer to do what it's going to take. Jesus gives some insight on what kind of people that we ought to be. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. The King James Version says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Jesus reveals here what's really going on in the kingdom. Violent people have been raiding it. Violent people have been rushing into it. The violent people take it by force. Over the past 1,900 years, Christianity has been betrayed in many different ways. In fact, there are so many different denominations. There's so many different flags of Christianity that's being waved today. And each one of them showcases their doctrines, their liturgy, their worship, their structure as being something different. Whoever becomes a part of that group conforms to that concept. That's why people say, I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Methodist, or Presbyterian, or Pentecostal, whatever. They claim that certain group. And so they perceive Christianity in that way. Whatever they come into, they're perceiving that this is what Christianity is all about. Well, my perception of Christianity, my perception of the church, the ministry has changed dramatically over the 50 years. 50 years ago when I got saved, the church wasn't like it is. Of course, they still got some churches, they don't change. They've been like that for 100 years but because of getting more revelation of the character of God and his word. See, when you desire more of God than you do of a religious form, then the Holy Spirit reveals to you what is really important in your life. Because the external things is not the kingdom of God. What the church looks like, its structure, or what it does and how it does it, is not the kingdom of God. Now Jesus tells us what the kingdom of God is about in Luke chapter 17 verse 20. It says, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. In other words, what you think it is, it's not that. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, you can't say, well, the kingdom is over there by the tabernacle. No, not here. It's not across the street. It's not down the street. It's within us. The kingdom of God is not a church or any other church group. Because Jesus knew when he was speaking to the Pharisees, their concept of the kingdom of God was an earthly one. Just like people today who think the kingdom of God is their religion or their form or whatever it is, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within us. Well, if that is so, then what is it? If the kingdom of God is within us, then what actually is it? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Paul says "For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. <laughs> it's not talking. It's power. Then the Apostle Paul says, about the last day's people, which we are living in the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, "...having a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with them." In other words, the people who deny the power of God. What is that saying there? It's saying that people are settling for a form of religion but denying the power that will change them. See, people want to add something to their life, but they don't want to change. They think, well, if I go to the right church, I got it. No, no. That don't get it. It's the power of God in us that causes us to submit to the reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You can't do it without God. When the power of God comes in, it causes us. I believe uh, the prophet Ezekiel uh, spoke for the Lord, saying that God was going to do something new. He was making a new covenant. He he was going to change our hearts. He was going to take our stony heart out, put a heart of flesh in. Then he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and what it's going to do, it's going to cause you to obey me. So, without the power of God, we can't even live this life. So, the one we're going to serve, the one who could actually change a sinful, immoral, unjust person and change them into a child of God. That's the one we serve. And until that happens to you, then you really haven't met the true God. See, it's about the power to act violently against the world and the passions of the flesh. It's not about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. It's about having an experience with God that is going to cause you to walk the way he wants us to do it. And it's going to cause us to act violently in our life, against the world, the flesh, the devil, against laziness towards the things of God. is going to cause us to do something. It's going to take more than just talk. It's going to take strength. It's going to take courage. And it's going to take violence. Now, before you, you think wrong of me, I'm not talking about physical violence. course, sometimes I feel like that, but but spiritual violence. I'm not about professing the kingdom of God, I'm about possessing the kingdom. I don't want to talk about it, I want to have it. And until God fills you with his Holy Spirit and changes you into a different person, you don't have it. But then what makes up the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness came to us by violence. See, this cross that we look at is empty here, but thank God it's empty. But violence took place there. There was a violent act that took place there. We had the Son of God that was crucified, beaten and crucified on that cross. That was violence. And because of that violence, we are now free. Because of that violence, now we've become righteous. By the violence of the cross, we became righteous. And our faith in that violent act of Christ's crucifixion is what brought us peace and right standing with God. It's by violence. It didn't just happen. It took place by something that was very violent, which resulted in a joy of the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And I ask you, do we have that? Do we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, that's the kingdom of God. If we have that, that's the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. This is what the world is desperately in need of. Those people out there, they're trying to find how to get right with God, how to have peace with God, and how can I have joy? The world needs to know that their sins can be forgiven. That's what the preaching of the gospel is all about. That that peace is obtainable and that joy is real. That's why we must have that joy. See, the world needs to see joy in us that they can't get. No matter what they try to do out there, they can't get what we have unless they do what we do. And that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is searching for all this in all the wrong places. Jesus gives us the nature of kingdom people. He said they were forceful men laying hold of it. That violent was taking it by force. Jesus said this violence started with John the Baptist. See, John preached the baptism of repentance. And I'm going to tell you something. Repentance is a violent act. When you attack those things that were ungodly in your life, it's a violent thing. They don't just go easy. Something violent has to take place there. Jesus described the people's reaction to John's message. See, John preached the kingdom of God's at hand here. You're going to miss it if you don't repent. And, and Jesus says, Forceful men lay hold of it. The violent take it by force. Jesus told the Pharisees, You guys are standing around. The kingdom of God is here. And you guys are standing around watching the prostitutes and the tax collectors running in and grabbing it. And you just standing around. They responded in a, it, violently against sin. They wanted to know to, from John, what do I do? But well, John said, You quit doing what you've been doing. You tax collector, quit cheating the people out of their money. The soldiers, you don't go arrest people falsely. Quit doing the things that you were doing before. In other words, repent of it. John preached that the kingdom of God was near. They responded violently. They realized that judgment was coming. John said the ax is already at the root of the tree. He's going to cut it down. Judgment is coming. I don't know whether we preach judgment enough, but judgment's coming. It's coming. And they responded violently. Well, if that's the case, then... I gotta get this thing. And the prostitutes, the tax collectors, where all the, the holy and then dial people were standing on the outside watching these sinners run in and grabbing hold of the kingdom of God. See if the kingdom of God is within us, then violence, violence must be turned at us. The We must have a violent reaction to the sin that's revealed in us. See, we can't play with sin. We can't overlook it. You can't say, well, it's going to go away. No, it ain't going away. It's not going to heal itself either. You I could just wait around and one day I'm not going to be doing that anymore. It don't go away. See, sin's going to take you Farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You got to deal with it. You, you got to deal with it, and 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 it won't heal itself. In fact, Paul says you got to kill it. That's that's violent language. You got to kill it. Paul said in Colossians three five. Paul says, "Put to death, therefore." Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You want to know what belongs to your earthly nature? He tells you. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's why those people ran into the Jordan River to to have John baptized. They saw the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Paul said you are got to put these things to death. That's a lot of things, he mentioned. That's a lot. He said, but they all got to die. They all got to be put to death. Now that seems like a violent assault to me or these things, because all these things are enemies of the kingdom of God. They're enemies of your righteousness, they're enemies of your peace, and they're enemies of your joy. They all are enemies. That's why we have to be violent against these things. The violent attitude towards these things actually pleases God. God is pleased when you get violent towards these things. Now, we see examples of this in the Old Testament with the Israelites. And the Apostle Paul tells us, especially to some of you say, I don't have to read the Old Testament because we are New Testament people. Uh, You know, I don't need to read the Old Testament. Let me tell you what Paul says about the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, Paul tells the church, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. He's talking about the Israelites. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment Of the ages has come. What was Paul talking about? Paul was talking about everything that happened to the people of Israel, God's people. All the examples of how God treated them, how they went astray, what God did for them, is all examples for us today. So we can't ignore the Old Testament. So what was Paul talking about? Well, when Moses went up to the mountain. To get the Ten Commandments, he was there for forty days. The Ten Commandments, he had to go get them. God wanted him to come up there. God wrote the commands down, but he was up there forty days. The people began to be impatient. Where is he? Where he? Maybe he's dead. Where is he? Well, it became impatient that made his brother Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron to make them an idol. In other words, we can't wait on this guy any longer. And this is what it says in Exodus 32, verse 2. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off the earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings after they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. They got up and they acted just like the pagans in the world. Just like Mardi Gras. Just like that. Drunkenness, immorality, idolatry. Now this is what happened when Moses got back. In Exodus 32, verse 25. Moses saw that all the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to the enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. In other words, he said, Whoever is for the Lord, you come step out on this side. And all the Levites rallied to him. You know who the Levites were? The Levites were the priests. Well, the Bible tells us we are a kingdom of priests. We are the ones God called out, supposedly. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded in that day. About 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today. for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The Levites were the priests that were the only ones who stood for the Lord. The Levites killed those who were close to them. Imagine that. They were killing brothers and sisters and whoever, daddies, uncles, whoever it was that was participating in that revelry, they went and killed them. I don't know if you think that's violent. That seems to me very violent to me. But this violent act pleased the Lord. You got that? That pleased him. He says, you did good. You didn't even care about your family. You didn't even care about those who were close to you. You went and killed them. They were willing to get violent to obey the Lord. They killed those who were close to them who sinned. Their own flesh. Own flesh. What about this flesh? What about your own flesh? They are willing to go kill those. What about here? What about here? Remember when I preached a couple of weeks ago about Isaiah? Isaiah said, what well, to me? I'm preaching to them. I'm bringing the, the wrath of God on them. What about me? See, we've got to turn to this flesh. We've got to treat this flesh violently. When we turn on ourselves, this also pleases God. When we turn to ourselves and say, this has got to go. I've got to kill this in my life. This is what pleases God. When we put to death those things in us, that is sin. It gets God's attention. You want God's attention? Start killing something. Start killing those things in our life that we've been putting off, saying, I'll just let that sit there for a while. No, I'll let it sit there. It ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. Now, there's another example of this in the Old Testament by one man. In Numbers chapter 25, verse 1, it says, While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor." Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Well, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this. He left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell him, I am making my covenant of peace with him, He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. This Israelite man, imagine this. Here, Moses and all the people are weeping because God sent a plague because of the sin of these men going with these Moabite women and worshiping their God He sent a plague that's wiping out thousands of people. Moses and the elders, they're at the tent of meeting in front of God, weeping before God for the people, for God to stop the plague. And here, one of these Israelite men is dragging this Moabite woman into his tent, in front of them. The people were weeping because of the sin that plague that the plague brought, that God brought on them because of them. But because of one act of violence, one act of violence, it stopped the plague that killed 24,000 people. God blessed Phinehas. God loves violence against sin. He loves that. He loves that. He told Moses this, to tell Phinehas, Foretell tell him, I'm making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. See, what we need is people with the spirit of Phinehas that we are willing to kill sin. We need that. We be violent against sin. This was Aaron, the high priest's grandson, the grandson Joseph and Jeremy Salino is a grandson of the high priest. See, he was violent. He he was violent against sin. See, this was an outward expression of 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 spiritual violence against sin. See, the success of your life as a Christian, the success of this church is going to depend on how much of the spirit of Pentecost we have in us. Are we willing? We can't let sin in here. We can let sin come in here because that's what we want. We want sinners to come in here, but we don't want sinners to make a home here. You come in a sinner, you can't stay a sinner too long. See, something's got to happen. you gotta, you got to come to the gospel. There's got to be a change in your life. Something's got to happen. See, we have to have that kind of spirit. How violent are we towards sin in our own life? Now, as a pastor, I can't let it happen here. As an overseer, I can't let it happen here. I had to deal with it. For forty-two years in ministry. You can come in a sinner, but you're not gonna to proclaim to be a Christian living in sin. That ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't supposed to happen. In like fact, the Bible tells me what I need to do. You don't repent, you gotta get out of here. You're not gonna sit here like a Christian and living like the world. No, you ain't gonna do that. You can't, you can't, you can't do it. I got an answer for that. Listen, I had to deal with with many situations. Leadership, people in leadership over the years, can't do that, can't do that. You wanna live like that, you gotta go out there. You can't do that here. Not representing the church, you can't do that. How violent are we to see people Uh, that we love, freed from sin and bondage. Are we willing to weep over them as Moses and the elders were doing? They were weeping for the people? Are we ready to weep? Get that violent that we're going to start weeping over the people? To enter in spiritual warfare for their salvation? See, we got to be obedient as the Levites were. See, Moses called the Levites. You know what he told them to do? He said... Go strap on. (laughs) I think I got it. I got it. Go strap on that sword. You know what I'm talking about? This is what they look like. All right, Moses, what you want me to do? Go out there and kill him. Your brother... All them that were worshiping with those Moabite women, committing adultery, go kill them. They did it. Wasn't easy. It ain't easy killing sin. Not in your life. It ain't ain't easy. And strapping that sword to the side, willing to kill everything that represented sin. That is the spirit that we got to have. Paul said that that sword is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's how we do it. We can take that sword, and we can run it through everything in our life that represents sin. we got to be as bold as Benny House was. You imagine that bull back. That was a sight to see. Benny House saw that that, that Israelite man just taking that woman right and brazen right in front of everybody, right into his tent. Anyhow, I saw that, said, I don't think so. I don't think so. And say, hey, take the spear. we going to see what's happening here, huh? Boom! Right through the man, right through the woman. Ended that, didn't I? That was a quick affair. But that act stopped the whole plague. See, one act just stopped the whole plague. Just like one act of violence here stopped the curse. We got to be as bold as Spenny Haas was, that we can put to death anything that causes a plague in our life or in our family, our church. I know what I got to do, I know what I have to do as an overseer. I know what I got to do as the head of my home. I know what I have to do about myself. I got to be violent against sin. I can't let anything go. You can't let anything go. You know, Jesus said a small, uh, uh, it's a little bit of yeast it works through the whole batch. It's true to hold back. You can't say, oh, no, you got to let... No, you can't let that go. Can't let it grow. go. Just like unforgiveness. You can't say, well, uh, you know, I'll just try to deal with it. No, you better get rid of it. <laughs> because it grows. And it begins to defile everybody. You can't let anything get by. See... If we're not experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, then something's got to die. If you don't have that, something in you has to die. And we've got to get violent enough to put it to death. So how can we do it? How do we do it? Paul gives us the answer. Romans 8, chapter 13. But if you live according to the sinful nature, you you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, and Paul keeps talking about this death thing, about this violent thing, death, you got to put it to death. The misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We do it by the Spirit of God. That's why we are Holy Spirit people. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul said, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. The Holy Spirit is a sanctifier. You can't make it without the Holy Ghost. You can't do it. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to set us apart. From what? From sin. Is what it's going to set us apart bro. See, when the Levites stood with the Lord and Moses, Moses said they were set apart because of their stand against sin. The whole purpose of the gospel is to save people and set them apart for God. That's what the church is. The Greek word for the church means they're the called out ones, the ones that God is separating. See, God will always separate. That's why Moses stood before the Israelites and said, whoever is for the Lord, come come on this side. There's always, God will always want to separate his people from the rest. So we're saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and by believing in the truth. Sanctification is a process in which the believer becomes increasingly holy. The Lord said, be holy because I'm holy. Holiness means I hate sin. I hate ungodliness. I hate wickedness. I hate lies. I hate all of that. See, when faith in the truth, in the spirit is at work in harmony, then the believer develops a more Christ-like spirit in us. When sin is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, that's why you need to hear it preached. That's why you need to read it. That's why you need to study it because the Word of God speaks to us. And the Holy Spirit reveals the truth in us, and the Holy Spirit will judge us and convict us if there's anything that needs to be put to death. We need to rise up as Phinehas did, grab a spear, let's put this thing to death. How many of you are ready to get violent with sin today? I want you to stand with me now. ¡Hallelujah!